Tonight, I'm going to be speaking from Hebrews chapter 3. I've entitled the message today. And there are two false refuges that men seek to hide in. One is yesterday, and the other is tomorrow. Those are the two false refuges that we all seek to hide in. And I've entitled this message, Today. I've entitled this message, Judah, Tamar, and the Gospel. Look in verse 36 of chapter 37. And the Midianites sold him, Joseph, into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and captain of the guard. Now look in chapter 39, verse 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. Now, the story of Genesis 37 and 39 of Joseph being sold flows seamlessly without chapter 38. And yet God, the Holy Spirit, has authored this bizarre, uh, sordid story to teach us in an almost shocking way of his gospel. Let's read this chapter together and you'll see why I say this. I don't know how many times when I have read this passage of scripture, I thought, why is this here? And it came to pass at that time, that time that uh, Joseph was sold, that Judah went down from his brethren and turned into a certain Adulamite whose name was Hiram. And Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite, whose name was Shua, the Canaanite. This woman's name is never given. And he took her and went in unto her. And she conceived and bare a son and called his name Er. And she conceived again and bare a son, and she called his name Onan. And she yet again conceived and bare a son and called his name Shelah. And he was at Chezeb when she bare him. Judah was at this other place. He wasn't present at the birth of Shelah. And Judah took a wife for heir his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. This woman's name is included in the genealogy of Christ, and she's the first woman named. The Christ came through this story. This gives us some idea of the importance of this. Verse 7, And there Judah's firstborn was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord slew him. And Judah said unto Onan, Go into thy brother's wife and marry her, and raise up seed to thy brother. Thy brother. And Onan knew that the seed should not be his, 
And it came to pass when he went in unto his brother's wife that he spilled it on the ground, lest that he should give seed to his brother. And the thing which he did displease the Lord, wherefore he slew him also. The first two boys are killed by the Lord. Then said Judah to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow at thy father's house till Sheila, my son, be grown. For he said, Lest peradventure he die also as his brethren did. And Tamar went and dwelt in her father's house. I don't believe he had any intention of giving uh, this third son to this woman after what had happened. I mean, my first two boys are dead. Must be her fault. Verse 12. And in process of time, the daughter of Shua's Judah's wife died. The woman who bore the three sons. And Judah was comforted and went up into his sheep shares to Timnath, he and his friend Hira the Dulamite. And it was told Tamar, saying, Behold, thy father-in-law goeth up to Timnath to shear his sheep. And she put her widow's garments off from her and covered her with a veil and wrapped herself in it in an open place, which is by the way of Timnath, for she saw that Sheila was grown, and she was not given unto, and he was not given unto her to wife. When Judah saw her, he thought her to be a harlot, because she had covered her face. And he turned unto her by the way and said, Go to, I pray thee, let me come in to thee. For he knew not that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, What wilt thou give me that thou mayest come in unto me? And he said, I'll send thee a kid from the flock. And she said, Wilt thou give me a pledge till thou send it? And he said, What pledge shall I give thee? And she said, Thy signet, thy seal, your identification, and thy bracelets and the staff that's in thine hand. And he gave it her and came in unto her, and she conceived by him. And she arose and went away and laid by her veil from her and put on the garments of her widowhood once again. And Judah sent the kid by the hand of his friend, the Adulamite, to receive his pledge from the woman's hand. But he found her not. Then he asked the men of that place, saying, Where is the harlot who was openly by the wayside? And they said, There was no harlot in this place. And he returned to Judah and said, I can't find her. And also the men of the place said, There was no harlot in this place. And Judah said, Let her take it to her, lest we be shamed. Behold, I sent this kid. Now it's not found her. He said, Let her have it. And it came to pass about three months after that it was told Judah, saying, Tamar, thy daughter-in-law, hath played the harlot. And also, behold, she's with child by whoredom. And Judah said, Bring her forth and let her be burnt. Can't help but wonder where the man was supposed to be that was involved in this, but he's not even brought up. Bring her out. Let her be burnt. When she was brought forth, she sent to her father-in-law, saying, By the man whose these are, I am with child. And she said, Discern, I pray thee, whose are these, the signet and bracelets and staff? And Judah acknowledged them and said, She hath been more righteous than I, because I gave her not to Sheila, my son, and he knew her again no more. And it came to pass in the time of her travail that, behold, twins were in her womb, now remember, the Christ is going to come through this union. And it came to pass when she travailed that the one put out his hand and the midwife took and bound upon his hand a scarlet thread, saying, This came out first, trying to mark the firstborn. And it came to pass as he drew back his hand that, behold, the brother came out. And she said, How hast thou broken forth? This breach be upon thee. Therefore his name was called Pharez. 
And behold, came out his brother that had the scarlet thread upon the hand, and his name was called Zerah. Judah, Tamar, and the gospel. This is one of the more sordid stories in the Bible. And if you're like me, you've wondered, why is this here? Why would such a story be presented? And why would it interrupt this beautiful story of Joseph? Now Judah is the man through whom Christ, the promised seed, would come. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Tamar is the first of five women mentioned in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see the circumstances she had her child from. There is also Rahab the harlot. There is Ruth. There is Bathsheba and Mary. Those are the five women mentioned in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this gives us some idea of the significance and the importance of this story. Because the Christ, the Son of God, comes through this union that God the Holy Spirit inspired Moses to record. I love uh, the scripture. It's evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah. Christ is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the one who took the book from the right hand of him that sat upon the throne in answer to Judah's prophecy in Genesis chapter 49. And this is where Pharez was born. And the Christ came through him. It was Judah, I think interestingly, who came up with the idea to sell his brother Joseph. Look in Genesis 37, verse 26. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. It was Judah's idea to sell him. Now maybe he had a good motive in this. Maybe he wanted to deliver him from his bloodthirsty brothers because he knew what they would do. And that is why he came up with this idea. I'm not sure, but I think this is interesting. Guess what Judas means in Hebrew? Judas and Judah are the same name. Judah Sold his brother. Judas sold, betrayed Christ with the price of a slave. Now, as we read this passage of scripture, we know Judah was not chosen because of his innocence. He was a sinful man, and that's evident from this story. And as a matter of fact, Judah was just as bad as Judas, Iscariot. And so are you and I, my dear friends. So are you and I.
Chapter 38, verse 1. And it came to pass at that time that Judah went down from his brethren. He left him. He went into a heathen land. Maybe he thought, I want to get away from these guys. He saw how evil they were, how bloodthirsty they were, what they were going to do to his brother, and he left it. And he turned into a certain Adulamite whose name was Hira. And Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua. And he took her and he went into her. She's not even named, but Judah saw her, took her, and went into her. That certainly sounds like aggressive behavior. And she became his wife. Verse 3. And she conceived and bare a son, called his name Er. She conceived again and bare a son and called his name Onan. And she yet again conceived and bare a son and called his name Shelah. And he was, Judah was at Chizib, which when she bare him, he wasn't even there. And that place means false lie. Uh, it appears at this time Judah was in a false place. Have you ever been in a false place? A place that's a lie? Judah was at this time. He wasn't even there to name his son when his son was born. He was an absentee father at this time. Verse 6. And Judah took a wife for his heir, his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. Here we have the introduction to Tamar. Judah selected this woman to be, or the, uh, this woman to be uh, a wife to his firstborn son. Verse 7. An heir, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord slew him. Now we're not told what he did, but we're told what the Lord did. The Lord slew him. And you can't help but see when the Lord judges someone instantly in an unusual way in the scriptures, it's usually for religious sin. Did you know that? Uh, Nadab and Abihu offer up strange fire to the Lord that the Lord didn't command. Fire comes down from heaven and consumes them. Uzzah reaches forth and touches the ark, which he was forbidden to touch. God killed him on the spot. Uzziah presumes to be a priest. God strikes him with leprosy. Generally, when people are judged instantly, it's for some kind of religious sin. Now, we're not told that that's what he did, but we see what the Lord did to him. Verse 8, and Judah said unto Onan, go unto thy brother's wife and marry her and raise up seed to thy brother. That was the way it was done back then. And Onan knew that the seed should not be his. And it came to pass when he went in into his brother's wife that he spilled it on the ground lest that he should give seed to his brother. Now there, I looked up on sermon audio and there are very many sermons on that passage of scripture forbidding any kind of birth control because of that. Is that what it means? I doubt it. I doubt it. I think that uh, Onan knew that the child would not be his and he thought if I don't have a child, I'll get a bigger inheritance when my dad dies. And I think that he had some kind of evil motive in it, no doubt. And the thing, verse 10, the things which he did displeased the Lord, wherefore he slew him also. Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, remain a widow at thy father's house till she let my son be grown. For he said, lest peradventure he also as his, die as his brethren did. And Tamar went and dwelt in her father's house. Now, I don't believe that Judah had any intention 
of giving his third son to this woman. I mean, the first two die. The third probably will. This has something to do with her. I'm keeping him away from her. And you understand his thinking in that. Your two sons being killed, being with this woman. Somehow it's her fault, he thinks. Verse 12. And in process of time, the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died. The woman that bore the three uh, children, and her name is never given. And Judah was comforted. The time of mourning was over. And he went up into his sheep shears to Timnath. He and his friend hired the Adulamite, the uh, heathen. And the time of sheep shears, what is the significance of that? Well, everything I read says that's a festival. That's a festival. It's a time for everybody to have a good time. It was a party. It was a festival. Uh, do I get that from the scriptures? No, but everybody that I read said that's what that was. Verse 13. And it was told Tamar, saying, Behold, thy father-in-law goeth up to Timnath to shear his sheep. Now, she hadn't seen him in years. She knew who he was. She knew what the promise was. And she comes up with a very deceptive plan. And she put her widow's garments off from her. Who knows how long she'd been wearing them. And she covered her with a veil and wrapped herself and sat in an open place, which is by the way to Timnath, where this festival was going on. For she saw that Sheila was grown and she was not given unto him to wife. She saw that Judah had not done what he promised he would do. And she knew something about his disposition, evidently. Verse 15, when Judah saw her, he bethought her to be a harlot because she'd covered her face. He thought she was just a temple prostitute. And he turned to her, by the way, evidently she knew he would probably act like this, and said, Go to, I pray thee, let me come in unto thee. For he knew not that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, What wilt thou give me that thou mayest come in to me? What are you going to pay me? And he said, well, here's my pay. I'll send thee a kid from the flock. And she said, well, if thou give me a pledge till thou send it, I need a pledge. I need to make sure you're going to do this. Uh, I'm not just going to take this on face value that you're going to send me a kid from the flock. Give me a pledge. Give me some proof. Give me some, something that will let me know I'm going to have this. Verse 18, and he said, what pledge shall I give thee? And she said, thy signet, thy bracelets, and the staff that is in thy hand. Now, signet was a seal of identification. This is his identity. The bracelet was the string that held it in place on his neck, and the staff is what he walked with. This would be uh, similar to you giving somebody your driver's license, your passport, and your social security number. You wouldn't do that, would you? There'd be identity theft. But this is what he is giving her as a pledge. He is giving her his identity. And he gave it her and came in unto her, and she conceived by him. 
I think that was her plan all along. She wanted to have a child. She wanted to have the heir. She wasn't going to get it from Sheila. She deceived him, made him think she was a harlot, and took his identity as a pledge. Verse 19, And she arose and went away and laid by her veil from her and put on the garments of her widowhood. And Judah, I guess after he gets back home, sent the kid by the hand to by, uh, by the hand of his friend, the Adulamite, to receive his pledge from the woman's hand. I want my identity back. I want my uh, passport back. I want all these things back. And he asked for them back. Then he asked the men of that place, saying, Where is the harlot that was openly by the wayside? And they said, There was no harlot in this place. And he returned to Judah and said, I can't find her. And also the men of the place said, There was no harlot in this place. And Judah said, Let her take it to her. Let her have it then. Lest we be shamed, behold, I sent this kid, now it's not found her, so let her have that identity. Verse 24, and it came to pass about three months after that it was told Judah, say, Tamar, thy daughter-in-law, played the harlot, and also behold, she's with child by whoredom. And Judah said, bring her forth and let her be burnt. Let her be burnt alive for this wicked conduct on her part. Judah is an example of wherefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for you that judgest doest the same things. Judah looked at this wicked woman and said, Burner, that's what she deserves for committing such grotesque, flagrant sin. Let her be burnt at the stake. And he is the one that got her in this condition in the first place. A lot like me and you. We can be very hard on other people for their sins, but we're justified. We're okay. We had a reason. Verse 25, when she was brought forth to be burnt, she sent to her father-in-law, by the man whose these are, I am with child. And she said, discern, I pray thee, whose are these, the signet, bracelets, and staff? And Judah acknowledged them and said, she's been more righteous than I. She was wrong in what she did, but I was wronger. I was wronger because that I gave her not Sheila, my son, and he knew her again no more. And it came to pass in the time of her travail when she was going to bear the children from Judah that behold, twins were in her womb and it came to pass when she travailed that the one put out his hand and the midwife took and bound upon his hand a scarlet thread. Remember the scarlet thread in the story of Rahab, the harlot, the scarlet thread that separated her from everyone else? Same word. This scarlet thread goes throughout the book of redemption. And it came to pass as he drew back his hand that behold his brother came out and she said, How has this broke forth? 
This breach be upon thee, therefore his name was called Pharaoh. He was the firstborn, not the one with the scarlet thread. And afterward came out her brother that had the scarlet thread upon his hand, and his name was called Zerah. From this sordid, unclean story, we have the first woman mentioned in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ, Tamar. And no one can justify the sin that's recorded in this story. Judah himself certainly does not appear to be an innocent man. The way he left his brethren and went to Canaan, he knew that that was forbidden. Uh, you'll remember how his grandparents and his parents got so upset when his uh, grandfather and father uh, went to Canaanite women and they wanted that changed. That was wrong then. And maybe Judah justified himself. We're all good at that, aren't we? We can justify and vindicate everything we do. He thought, I need to get away from these guys. And he went down away from his family. And then the way he sees this woman, he saw her, he took her, he went into her. I just, he seems to be a man uh, controlled by that sort of thing. And then he refuses to uh, give uh, his third son to Tamar after seeing these first two boys killed. I mean, you understand that. He thought but it was still wrong because that was the custom at that time to raise up seed to your dead brother. And he wouldn't do it after that. Um, Tamar uh, doesn't take a rocket scientist to see what a deceitful woman she is. Uh, she sees she's not given the son, and she deceives her father-in-law. She acts to be a harlot, dresses herself up, keeps her identity disguised. She knew exactly what she was doing, and she knew what she wanted out of this. She wanted a baby from her father-in-law. Now, this is evil it's wrong there's no way any of this conduct can be justified and then she um, gets his identity you can be sure that she planned this out asking for his signet that was a seal that's how judah identified himself the even the the rope that kept it around his neck and his walk, his staff to walk by. She wanted his entire identity as a pledge. He gave it to her. And then his hypocrisy is exposed in such an unusual way when your daughter-in-law is with child. Bring her out and burn her. Put her to death. Why, you're the one that brought her into this position, but nothing is said about that. I think it's interesting, a lot of times in the scripture, the woman's brought out and exposed. The man stays uh, covered. That's human being, human nature's sinful covering of things. Bring her out and burn her. And then, first of all, how's the gospel in this? Well, number one, it's through the seed. Through the seed. The genealogical Seed. This is Abraham's seed. This is Jacob's seed. This is Isaac's seed. 
the Christ comes through this uh, union. But here is what I believe the gospel is so clearly in this passage of scripture. Verse 18, what pledge shall I give thee? What's a pledge? What's a guarantee of something else? You get the pledge. It's the earnest money. It's the pledge. What pledge shall I give thee that will make sure you get the kid? What pledge shall I give thee? And she said, thy signet, thy bracelets, and thy staff that's in thy hand. And, it gave it, and he gave it her and came into her, and she conceived. Now, what kept this woman from being burnt alive? You know one thing. She had Judah's identity. That's what kept her from being burnt alive. When she was brought out to be burnt, she brought out that signet. She brought out that bracelet. She brought out that staff. And she said, whose are these? And Judah acknowledged, they're mine. She's more righteous than I. And that doesn't mean she was a righteous woman in and of herself. What she did was wrong, but Judah's confessing what I did was wronger. What she did was wrong, but what I did was wronger when I didn't seek to give her my son that the seed would be continued. What kept her from being burned? She had Judah's identity. Now, what is going to keep me from being judged by God and sent to hell and destroyed and burn up? I have Christ's identity. That is the gospel. I have Christ's identity. Now, how in the world would I have Christ's identity? How can that be? Because he took my identity. What do you mean by that? Turn with me to the 69th Psalm. Psalm 69. I want to read verse 21. They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Now, who is speaking? The Lord Jesus Christ. And this is preeminently a psalm of the cross. And we see that from those words. Look in verse 9 of this same psalm. For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. And we know from John chapter 2 that the disciples understood that these were the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Christ speaking as he is in all the Psalms, but particularly we see it very clearly here in Psalm 69. Verse 1, 
Psalm 69, save me, O God, for the waters are come into my soul. I sink in deep mire where there's no standing. I'm coming to deep waters where the floods overflow me. I'm weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fail while I wait for my God. They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. Remember the Lord quoted that in John chapter 15. They hated me without a cause. That's a quotation from Psalm 69. This is the Lord speaking. They hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. They that would destroy me being mine enemies wrongfully are mighty. Then I restore that which I took not away. This is Christ speaking. Now look what he says. O God, thou knowest my foolishness and my sins are not hid from thee. Notice he does not say, O God, thou knowest Todd's foolishness, which has been charged to my account. He does not say Todd's sins, which were imputed to me. He says, thou knowest my foolishness. He took my identity. My sins are not hid from thee. He took my identity. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 21, for he, God the Father, hath made him, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be sin. Notice that to be is in italics, for he hath made him sin. Hence, he says, my sins. Not Todd's sins imputed to me, my sins. For it made him sin for us who knew no sin. He never sinned. He knew no sin. In him is no sin. He never committed a sin. Even when he was made sin, he never sinned in his person. Why? That we might be made the righteousness of God. There's his identity. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now just as truly as he took my identity, I'm given his identity. 
It's what the Bible calls justification. We are made the very righteousness of God. Christ's righteousness is my identity. My fingerprints aren't on this in any way. Christ's righteousness, his person, is my identity. What kept Tamar from being burnt at the stake? She had the identity of Judah. And these twins that are born, what a powerful type of the gospel. The first hand comes out. This is the firstborn. Tie the string, the scarlet thread around it. The hand pulls back in and there's a breach that takes place. The one with the string was not the firstborn. Pharez comes out first through whom the Christ would come. And the other followed with the blood redemption sign. Conclusion. The only identity that I have that would make me acceptable before God right now is the identity of Jesus Christ the Lord. My fingerprints do not touch this. If my fingerprints touch it, it's no good. My walk is his walk, his staff. That is my identity. Now, I want to ask you a question. Are you satisfied to have his identity only? Nothing comes from you. Are you satisfied? With that? Or do you want a little of what you have done? You'd like added to his identity your experience, your growth, your progress, your understanding. Your will, your acceptance of the offer. Let's well, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Or do you want to have his identity only? Nothing more. Nothing less. Nothing else. His identity only. One last scripture. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Verse 7. This is Paul speaking, and he says, But what things were gained to me? Things that I counted as positive, 
beneficial. His religion. You can read about it in verse 4. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he may trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, an Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law. Blameless. But what things were gained to me that I thought would be to my benefit, those I counted Loss, garbage for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness not having my own identity, not having anything that has my fingerprints on it, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. Notice he doesn't even say my faith in Christ. The faith of Christ. His obedience, his perfection. The righteousness which is of God by faith. Now, are you willing to be saved by his identity only? I don't want anything else. Nothing in my hands I bring. Oh, people, want, I want to give God this. I want to give God that. I want to give this. I want nothing in my hands I bring simply to thy cross I cling. Now, in this strange, sordid story, we're given the essence of the gospel. I'm saved by Christ only. Let's pray. Lord, we stand amazed at thy word. And Lord, we would, like Paul, win Christ and be found in him, not having our own righteousness, which is of the law, which is nothing more than filthy rags, but to be saved by the faith of Christ, the righteousness of God, which is by faith. Lord, bless this message for your glory and for our good. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.